Good morning. It's good to see all of you here this morning. If you're visiting with us today, it's an exciting day for you to be here because you get to witness this morning uh, the baptism of five individuals. Uh, I'm super excited about uh, today. Always excited to uh, baptize believers. Um, It's important that you would know that um, baptism does not save you, but it, it's evidence, if you will, uh, that you have a desire to follow the Lord in obedience and a desire to live for Him. And um, we have five individuals that I had the privilege of meeting with, and all five of them. Uh, it was a blessing just to be able to, to hear uh, about their salvation and how they came to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, you know, baptism is obedience to the Lord. It's a declaration to all of you that are here today. Uh, it will be a declaration uh, to you that these individuals belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. And for everyone as a believer, we rejoice in that. Amen? And so this morning, uh, we have five candidates. The first one. Uh, is Walker Layfield. So, Walker, come on down here. This is Walker Layfield. Say hey, everybody. (laughs) He's not too sure about that. It's always a real privilege to be able to meet with a child. uh, To hear about how the Lord uh, saved them. And one of the great um, answers that I received from Walker as I was meeting with him, I was asking him, I said, what do you understand about baptism? And he said, it's not salvation. And um, so it was just wonderful to hear that. And um, so this morning, Walker, um, we want to tell these individuals about your life. So I want to ask you a question. Do you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior? Y'all hear that? Yes, I do. You can say that a little louder. Yes, right. I do. <laughs> and is it your desire as a young man to live for the Lord? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Isn't that wonderful? And so all of you who have the privilege to know Walker and to be involved in his life, you get to encourage him down that road as he lives his life for the Lord. And so, Walker, I want you to turn right here. And I'm going to baptize you. It is my privilege, my brother, to baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. (laughs) Take that with you. He was concerned I was going to leave him under too long. (laughs) All right. Our next candidate for baptism is Ashley Quick. All right, this is Ashley. Ashley, everybody out there. All right. And um, Ashley's relatively new to our congregation. And um, so I had the privilege of meeting with Ashley and, and her sharing with me about her faith in Christ and her desire to live for the Lord. And it's been encouraging to see her on a regular basis, being involved in, in the women's Bible study on Sunday mornings and uh, different events that we have here at the church. And so if you don't know Ashley... Uh, now you see her face, and you can get to know her, but she's a wonderful young lady, and we're so, so thankful for her, 
being here amongst us and with us here at Grace. And so, Ashley, do you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior? Yes, sir. Isn't that great? Amen? We ought to be saying amen to all that. <laughs> and is it your desire to live for the Lord Jesus Christ? Yes, sir. All right. Well, Ashley, it is my great privilege to baptize you now, my sister. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So if you don't know Ashley, you need to get to know Ashley, all right? All right, I'm going to have these next three come down because this is one family. Y'all leave your handkerchiefs out of the water. That's not going to do you any good if you put them in the water. Y'all come on down here. I'm going to move out of the way so y'all can see this family. All right? Isn't this wonderful? You get to baptize this family. I've never baptized three at one time. I don't think I'm going to do that today. But I wanted them to come down here just so you could see them. And uh, this is Zoe and Zach and Linda Tidwell. All right? And uh, we're going to baptize them this morning. But I wanted you guys to see them so you can kind of see that family there. All right? Kind of get that mental picture for you. And then Mark, uh, Linda's husband's back there. He's back in the back. He's working. There he is right there. He's, he's waving. All right? And uh, so we love being able to baptize families. It was a privilege to meet with all of them. And so we're going to start with Zoe. So I'm going to ask Zach and Linda if y'all would back up there. All right? And then we'll start with Zoe. Zoe, you know what your name means? Yes, I do. It means life. It means life. Did you hear that? Did you see the way she, I love the way she answered. She was like this in my office. Yes, I do. <laughs> so, <laughs> isn't it wonderful? Uh, all right. Well, let me ask you. Zoe, do you know the Lord Jesus Christ yes, as your I Savior? Do. Yes, yes, I, I do. do. <laughs> I didn't even get the question out. Yes, I do. And yes, I want to, right? <laughs> you want to live your life for the Lord? Yes. Isn't that, isn't that wonderful? Listen, it is wonderful to baptize teenagers who are saying, I want to live my life for the Lord. And so I'm so proud for you and I'm proud for this day. All right? And so it is my privilege, my sister, to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. This is Zach. All right. I think the family calls him Zachary. Isn't that correct? No, Zach. <laughs> well, now I was told that it was Zachary. But that's my real name. That's your real name. But we go by Zach? Zach? Yes. All right. Hey, Zach's a fine young man. I've had Zach, known Zach, since Zach was a small boy. And I had him in Awana just about every year. And um, he is a fine young man. And I'm very, very thrilled to be able to baptize you today, Zach. Very, very thrilled. So I want to ask you, uh, do you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior? Yes, sir. And is your desire to live your life for him? Absolutely. Absolutely. Isn't that a good answer? Amen. So because of your faith in Christ, Zach, it is my privilege to baptize you now, my brother, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And this is Linda, all right? And um, meeting with Linda was really terrific. Um, 
anytime I, not that Zoe and Zach aren't young adults, but anytime I get to meet with an adult and um, to be able to hear their testimony and how they came to faith in Christ and what the Lord's doing in their life, it's always just really refreshing to me. Um, because there may be some of you out there uh, today that know the Lord, but you've never been baptized. And you think, well, I'm too old to be baptized. Never too old. I baptized Amy Lofton when she was 80 years old. I was really scared to baptize her. So, um, but I just am so, so thankful for, um, for Linda and for the family. And I want to ask you, Linda, do you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior? Yes, sir. And is your desire to live for him? Yes, sir. Amen. And all God's people said... It's my privilege, my sister, to baptize you now in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I think two of my favorite times as a pastor is baptism and being able to go to the hospital after those little babies are born and hold them. And so, just so, so thankful for this morning and if you're, like I said, if you're visiting with us today, what a great day for you to be here. And if you're visiting today because you have family that's just been baptized, we certainly welcome you uh, this morning and are glad that you're here to be a part of our service. And so I want to just uh, have a word of prayer. I'm going to ask you to stand as we pray. And then uh, Brian Nichols is going to lead us in worship this morning. Father, thank you for what you do. Thank you for the great salvation that those of us in Jesus Christ have. Thank you for this morning and uh, just the testimony and the witness that um, was given to you. Um, Lord, that to have these five individuals publicly profess their faith in the Lord Jesus and to publicly declare that they want to live their life for you, I pray that we would come alongside of these individuals um, from Walker to Linda, um, and encourage them in their faith and uh, be willing to walk with them as um, they live uh, the Christian life. Might we be an encouragement to them? Uh, Lord, I just want to pray that this morning uh, would continue to honor you and that, um, Lord, uh, we have come prepared uh, to worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and it's in his name that we pray. Amen. Guys, I love baptism Sundays because it reminds me that Jesus saves. He still saves. He's still building his church. And if that doesn't get you fired up and want to sing and lift his name high above all else, then I don't know what does. So we're going to sing a medley this morning that just kind of centers on the gospel and Jesus. I want you guys to sing out with us. We'll start out by asking you guys a question uh, in song, and you guys are going to respond with Savannah, okay? So here's the question. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Everyone now. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know, nothing but the blood of Jesus. 
sing with me. Come thou fount of every blessing, tune my heart to sing thy grace. Streams of mercy never ceasing, call for songs of loudest praise. Teach me some melodious sonnet, song by flaming tongues above. Praise the name I fixed upon, name of thy redeeming love. Here I raise my Ebenezer, here by thy great help I've come, and I hope by thy good pleasure safely to arrive at home. Jesus sought me when a stranger, wandering from the fold of God, he to rescue from danger in a post his precious blood oh to grace how great a debtor daily I'm constrained to be let thy goodness like a feather Blind my wandering heart to thee. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to live, the God I love. Is my heart, Lord, sick and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. Jesus sought me when a stranger wandering from the fold of God. You were the word at the beginning, one with God, the Lord most high. Now revealed in 
This is a new one, guys. If you know it, feel free to sing along with us. Oh, 
take me uh, just a very short time to get dressed and now the older I get the longer it takes well this morning and next week we want to go through a series on foundations for healthy ministry I want to ask you a question this morning begin with this question um, how many of you know someone in the ministry you know someone in the ministry? Um, how many of you are born-again believers? How many of you know that you're in ministry? Not as many on that last one as the first couple. Every single person in here who knows the Lord Jesus is in full-time ministry. There are no exemptions. There's not, I'm too old, or I've gotten to the point where um, I've done all I can do for the Lord, or I'm too young to do for the Lord. Uh, I'm just a teenager, or I'm just a child. I wish I would have been told younger that as a believer in Christ, I was in the ministry. Because I think there are a lot of young people that go through church and simply do that. They go through church. And they don't have the understanding, they don't come out with the understanding that they're in ministry. And so they come through high school and then they get to a point of being able to make a decision and Hey, I want to go to another church. And it just is about attending a church. And for a lot of people, it's hard to believe, but a lot of people are kind of stuck in that in Christianity, I believe. I go to this church. I go to that church. And that's what they know. And that might be all they know. 
They know that there are professionals that are in the ministry, but they don't view themselves as being in the ministry. So what I want to try to do for the next two weeks is go through this series on foundations for healthy ministry. I went through it, oh, back in August with a few people. There weren't many that were in there. And so the Lord just put it on my heart that all of us need to know this. Remember I told you I was going through a series on the Holy Spirit leading me. And that's what he's leading me to do. So this week and next week we're going to talk about the fact. Because several of you raised your hands. And you said I belong to the Lord. And if you belong to the Lord. Then these ministry points fit your life. And what's so wonderful about these ministry points is that it is good for one-on-one ministry. It's good for small groups, meaning three or four or five or six or ten or twelve or fifteen. It's good for groups this size. It's good for groups bigger than this. It's good for every single ministry you can think of, whether it's a wanna or youth or joy club, whatever. And I will say this, if you don't get this down, in my opinion, it's going to be difficult for you to do ministry. Because these principles come from the life of Christ. Back in the mid-80s, I was introduced to Sun Life Ministry. And back in those days, Sun Life Ministry, you received tapes. You remember tapes? I remember 8-tracks. You remember 8-tracks? I had 8-track. I had 8-tracks for my Pinto, my 1977 Pinto. I had 8-tracks. I don't think they were worship 8-tracks, if I remember correctly. There were all kinds of 8-tracks that went into that particular device. But you remember tapes, and that's all we had back then in the 80s. Young people back in the 1980s. You, know, you hear young people talk today, and they're like, Wow, you live back in the 80s? I'm like, yeah, I got some that I know in here who live back in the 60s and the 50s. But I was introduced to Sun Life Ministry in, in the mid-late 80s. And um, I'm always kind of a skeptic till I get to hear all of it. No matter who's presenting what. That's just the way I'm built. And so as I'm listening to these tapes that were produced about the life of Christ and the ministry that he was in in his life as, as he walked with the twelve. And I was like, wow, this is good stuff. And if we're going to pattern our life after anybody, maybe it should be Christ. And so I began to listen to these little green tapes and blue tapes and every other color you could think of. And then... I went to New York State in 1991 to Berean Bible Church. And at the time at that church, they were, the youth ministry was going through what they called Word of Life ministry. And Word of Life, as you know, is in Scroon Lake, New York. And great school. And, and I had some connections there. But the way it was being handled at the church that I attended was it was a program. And it became just a program. There was a big chart downstairs there was about 60 to 70 kids on this chart, and, and they were 
supposed to chart their way through different verses and different things that they were to be doing. And, and there was one kid out of 60 that was even doing it. I was like, well, this doesn't seem to be real effective. And um, even the youth leaders were wondering, what in the world should we do with these students? And, and um, I was like, I think I know. I think we ought to be teaching these students how Jesus Christ did ministry. And so we began to implement the Sun Life strategy at Berean Bible Church. And when we did that, do you know what happened? We went from about 75 students to about 50 students within a very few weeks. You say, that's terrible, Thad. Well, depends on how you look at it. Most of the students were coming just to hang out. And you know, there was a day and time when youth pastors had a philosophy of ministry that if you teach popular subjects, students will come. If you talk about sex, rock, rock and roll and drugs and all that and how they're not supposed to be involved in all that, they'll come. And I'm like, yeah, I don't believe that. I believe these kids, most of them were coming for fun of the 25 that left, and that was the absolute truth. I wanted our ministry to have an image of we are focused in on living for the Lord Jesus. And we want students, your friends, as I used to tell them, we want your friends to be introduced to Christ. Well, we went from 50 students back up, but it took a while. It took a commitment on a part of some of the students to do ministry, to view themselves as those that were doing ministry, and not just that, not just the other youth leaders. This particular subject is not just for youth. Like I said, it transcends all. It speaks to children's ministry. It speaks to family ministry. I think you'll really enjoy it if you'll hang with me. But you're going to have to hang with me. Because I'm going to need some of your time. That means you're going to have to have your eyes open. And that means you're going to have to think and consider things maybe that you have not before. So in 1992, we began to implement Sun Life Strategy. And when I came to Springville Road in 1996, they were already doing that. And I knew that because I knew Taylor Park. And I knew that uh, Taylor was a big into Sun Life Strategy. And I even talked to Taylor before I came to Springville Road. And I said to Taylor, why would I want to go to Springville Road, Taylor? And he shared with me why I would want to do that. And he even shared with me why I might not want to do that. That's what we do, you know, in the ministry. We say, yeah, I know. That's just the reality of it. And so as he shared with me, one of the things that really encouraged me when I came to Springfield Road is these guys were already, had already implemented Sun Life Strategy and they were doing ministry. And the students understood they were a part of ministry. And so this morning I want to deal with two of the strategies, and then we will um, deal with the next three next week. I want to begin with a verse that will help you to understand kind of where all of this came from. Mark chapter 10, verse 45. 
It says this, for even, excuse me, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, to minister, to be others-centered, and to give, which there is a picture of love, to give his life a ransom for many. So our example is the Lord Jesus Christ. And when you think about the Lord Jesus Christ and his life of ministry, what comes to your mind? People, time, right? Involvement in the lives of those disciples, setting an example for them to follow. He came to serve and to give. When we think about church, do we think about serving and giving? Is that immediately what comes to your mind? This week, I was thinking through these notes, and I changed some of them because the Lord gives me thoughts. And one of the statements I wanted you to know that I entitled Good to Know is this. This is very important for everyone to hear. This is a direct result of 35 years of ministry. I did not find this quote. This is mine. If you don't like it, that's fine. But here it is. If ministry is perceived as only work, completing the task will be the focal point. Shake your head. Uh Uh-huh. However, if ministry is perceived as opportunity to demonstrate love, then the focus will be on the person or persons God puts in our life or on our path. You understand the difference? There's a huge difference. One might say, I work in Awana. Well, that sounds good. People use, I've used that phrase. I work in Awana. I work with the youth ministry. But when I'm thinking about it, I'm not thinking about like that top statement. I'm thinking about like that bottom statement. When I get to hang out with the Iwana children, it's an opportunity for me to display the love of God. Is that okay? It's okay. There are a lot of people that work at the church. But there's a big, big, big difference between that first statement and that second statement. You know, a lot of people go to church to be educated. Well, there's nothing wrong with education. But what are you going to do with what you know? There's nothing wrong with being involved in a WANA or youth ministry. But if your focal point in that ministry is just completing Wednesday night for youth, while I'm here and I'm hanging out with these kids, I can't wait till we're done. You probably ought to think about it. If the mindset is, I can't wait till it's over, then I really need to check it, don't I? Makes sense to me. I mean, do you want a doctor that you visit to be haphazard about the way he speaks with you or she speaks with you? Well, no. I want them to give their undivided attention to me. So, how many of you believe you're in the ministry? Then your focal point will be to demonstrate love to those people that God brings in your path. Creating an atmosphere of love is the first step 
in this strategy. So every single setting, whether it's a one-on-one, one-on-five, whether you're working with a WANA or a youth ministry or a joy club, there must be an atmosphere of love in that group setting. By the way, people are going to know you love them or not. They're going to know that. Especially as they get older, they're going to be able to discern that. Love must be the basis for everything done in our ministry. People now more than ever are crying out for someone to love them. We must live out God's love for us and communicate it to people. The scriptures clearly command the priority of love for our ministries. The Lord wants us to love people. What's the best way that we can demonstrate that love for people? Tell them the truth about the Lord Jesus. Communicate with them. Do life with them. Walk beside them. There should never be the mindset when you're in the, the, the uh, ministry, there never should be a mindset of, I can't wait till I get out of here. Or only four more weeks and a one is over. Or six more weeks and youth is over. I understand tired. Who, who doesn't get tired? The Lord got tired. You know what you find the Lord doing when he's tired? You studied that before? Prayer. He goes and spends time with his father. And you know what? We need to be honest with the Lord. Lord, I am really tired in this ministry. These kids. These adults. It's not just kids. Remember what agape love is, according to the scriptures. Agape love is, first of all, it's a volitional choice. It's a decision you make every single morning to get up and say, I'm going to agape love. It's a sacrifice on our parts. It's unconditional. We're not waiting for those teenagers to get right to love them. Goodness gracious. I've, I've worked with teens since I was 20. I was barely out of being a teenager. I mean, if you're waiting for them to get to the point that you can go, well, they look just right. I'm going to love them now. You'll be waiting. That's the way ministry is. If you're coasting in the ministry, something's wrong. Ministry's hard. Paul told Timothy, in the context of instructing others concerning strange doctrines, he says, but the goal of our instruction is love from a pure heart, a good or sincere conscience, and from a sincere faith. The goal of our instruction is love. I've had numerous people come to me and love about different things in the ministry. It happens. But the goal of their instruction has not been to beat me over the head. Our young people need to hear the truth, but it's the way we present the truth. That that matters. They need to know that we love them. Goodness, the Lord proved his love for his disciples, did he not? And you know what one of the most amazing passages in all the Bible is to me in John 13? Not only does Jesus wash the eleven, but he washes Judah's feet. 
He demonstrated love. I want you to take your Bibles and go with me to Hebrews. I wanted to show you this. Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews 10. All right. Flip your phone or turn the pages, whatever it is you do. Hebrews 10 in the context is about the sufficiency of the sacrifice of Christ. A sufficient once for all. But it's also in the context of a new way to enter the presence of God. And that's where we find ourselves as we come to verse 19. Because there's a new and living way. He says, verse 19 of chapter 10, Therefore, brethren, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he inaugurated for us through the veil, that is his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God... He says, let us three times. Look at these next three verses. Let us draw near with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And then, verse 24, let us consider how to stimulate one another. Who's the one another? Who's the one another? Believers. So we're to stimulate one another. Oh, I thought we were just to come in here and sit down on a Sunday morning and look up front. No. We don't come to church on a Sunday to look at the one leading the music or the one speaking. We come to church to stimulate one another. That's why we come. That's at least a big part of why we come. We come to encourage one another. Right? We come to do all those one another passages that the New Testament encourages for the church. So he says, let us consider how to encourage one another in love. In love. Um, I like what Larry Richard says about this, he says, the overwhelming testimony of the New Testament is that love, both expressed and experienced among members of the body, is absolutely essential. If that body is to be healthy and alive. Thus, the development of love within the body must be a primary concern of the spiritual leadership, meaning the elders. I believe we love each other pretty well here at Grace. But this is asking us to do something more. Ready? Love Express crosses the aisle. You guys sit over here. Do you know everyone sitting over here? And you here, do you know everyone sitting over here? Well, no, you don't. You don't. But are you willing to say, Lord, open up the path that I might know these other believers in this audience so that I might minister? Is that okay? You ever received a prayer request on a prayer chain? You didn't know who in the world that was? Huh? You're like, who's that? You know how I know that happens? You call me or you text me. Thad, who's that? You know, the biggest request I've had recently is, hey, Thad, I don't know everybody here. We need a directory. Isn't that nice to know? We do need a directory. We are working on that, might I let you know. 
The Lord knew the twelve, even Judas. Love Express crosses the aisle. It goes across the room. So that means you don't just cross over here. You've got to go all the way over there. And you guys have to do the same. I've never run into people who didn't want the pastor to know everyone in the room. That's your expectation, right? Dad needs to know everybody. What about you? Don't you need to know everybody? As best as humanly possible. Isn't it great to be able, Love Express, to, to sit down in front of somebody and look at me and I, I care about you. What's going on in your life? How can I pray for you? Same. The Lord Jesus spent time with his disciples. He was intentional in what he did. It wasn't a wasted second in the life of Christ. There's one more thing I put down here. Love Express crosses the aisle. It goes across the room. It is aware, and this is really important, it is aware of new ones joining the field. You ever watched your team play football and a guy runs on the field and you're like, who's that? Or what are you going to do? You're going to look him up. Or if you're in the stadium, you're going to take that guy and go, hey, who's that? Alabama fans might have had to do that yesterday. There's three quarterbacks in that game, right? <laughs> who's this? Who's that? Is Thad about to go out on that field, right? Play for Alabama. Can you imagine? My poor team needed somebody. <laughs> if you're visiting, my poor team is Arkansas. So you can pray for them. Right? But... We're aware of the ones that are around us. Well, to be effective in communicating God's love, there are some things that we need to write down. Now, if you're frantically writing, maybe I will give you these notes, all right, at some point. But to be effective in communicating God's love, we must continually evaluate our own lives. It starts with evaluation of ourselves we don't look across and go you know what i wish they would love on me more no no no. it starts with us how am i doing loving you because love is expressed you know agape love serves it's involved in the lives of others and then the question that comes from that is do we really love those god has called us to love Really love. Have we made that choice to actively love the one that's the most unlovely of them all? You know, I've had a lot of different youth groups and a lot of different people in church. Do you know that sometimes it's hard to love people? You say, well, Thad, that's your job. I only have to love the one next to me. But it's really all of us, isn't it, that have the responsibility to love and to demonstrate that love. I had a student at Parkway Christian when I was teaching there. Kid drove me out of my mind. He just drove me nuts. 
And every week, every single day in Bible class, I expected the same behavior on the part of this young man. And this was real time. Lord, am I going to love this man, this young man who is probably 17 years old? I remember having to confront him one time about something that he had done. And I said to him, I sat across from him at his desk and I said, I want you to know something. I love you. The most important thing that I can know is that you belong to Christ. Why'd you cheat on that test? Now I could have started with, why'd you cheat on that test? You get an F. He did get an F. But I started with, I love you. I care about you. I think sometimes we really need to examine that question a little more closely. Do we really love those God has called us to love? Because in a student ministry or in a joy club ministry or with young adult ministry, you can't say to a couple that's walking in, yeah, I really don't love you. You get on my nerves, so get out. Or that student that walks in, youth leaders, and you say, yeah, I'm tired of dealing with them. You know what I've found over the years? God puts these people in my life to refine me. (laughs) You're like, what? Yes, to refine me. Because I want to tell you something, when you go out into the world... They come in all different flavors. But you don't even have to go outside these doors to know that, do you? They come in all different flavors. Second question. To be effective in communicating God's love, we must continually evaluate our ability to communicate God's love. You know, the first thing that you have to know is you can't do that in your own strength. You can't do it. It has to be the Holy Spirit through you. We know the passage, and I want to refer to it, but we know the passage in Galatians, don't we? Galatians chapter 5. Paul says to these believers, I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the lust of the flesh. And then skipping down to verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Notice it's singular, the fruit, not fruits. It's fruit. So that when I'm walking by the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit can be displayed, meaning Love, joy, peace, patience, all those things. But I have to be walking by the Spirit, not walking by the flesh. And guys, I want to tell you something. That's an every morning, get up and decide, I'm going to walk by the Spirit. Isn't this Christian life easy? It's not easy. It's not easy to communicate the love of God. It's impossible without the Spirit of God. So you need to know. You, you know what you're going to walk out this morning? You're going to be free. 
free to say, you know what? I can't do it. I can't love this person. But with the help of the Holy Spirit, I can as I walk by the Spirit. That will encourage the socks off of you. And you know what? Even loving that person that you've circled in your mind and said, Lord, I could never love that person. You can't in your flesh, but you can with the help of the Spirit. You know how I know? It's happened in my life over and over and over and over again. You know what people tend to do in churches? Avoid the ones that they just aren't going to love. It's hard to think about. Well, number three. To be effective in communicating God's love, we must continually create situations in which love can be expressed. In other words, we have to be intentional. Our life must be intentional. You look at the life of Christ, and every single step Christ took was intentional. Remember when he sends them off in the boat after a long day of ministry? After the feeding of the probably twenty to 25,000, and he goes off and he's by himself. He sends the disciples out into the Sea of Galilee knowing that a storm's coming. Well, why would the Lord who loves them do that? Answer, he's got something to teach them. There's always something that we learn as believers. We need to be intentional When you go to the grocery store, you need to be intentional. You say, that's kind of extreme. No, it's not. You ever had an opportunity to talk to a cashier about the Lord? I don't do that. Hey, you can. Look, I don't have the gift of evangelism, but I, I can talk. And I can talk to about just anybody. I drove through Jack's a couple weeks ago in Pinson, and this kid... I mean, he did such a phenomenal job waiting on me. I was like, well, he is wasting his talents. And I said to him, I said, hey, um, so you go to school around? Yes, sir, I go to. And we say, yes, sir. I was like, whoa. Yes, sir, nowadays doesn't happen too much. Yes, sir, I go to Pinson. And I began to have conversation with him. And do you know what? My anticipation is, and I told him, I said, when I come through here, I'm looking for you. Now, guys, look, I'm not going to break out John 3.16 necessarily to him right in the middle of the drive-thru, but I might. But I want that young man to know there's somebody that loves him, and that's the Lord. So in this question here, are we creating situations in which love can be expressed? Is love flowing in our lives? I'll start with at home. Is love flowing in your home? That starts with fathers, with husbands. Is that love flowing in your home so that your wife knows, so that your kids know, so that your grandkids know? Is love flowing in your Sunday school class or in your small group or in a Awana or in youth group? Or in a Awana, do the kids know more about the rules than they know about your love for them? Nothing wrong with given people guidelines but if that's all they know about you that's a shame you know love expressed takes time and effort takes effort on our part it takes time on our part 
I wrote this down because I didn't want to forget to say it. There's a difference between giving guidelines and giving guidelines expressed in love. There's a difference. We have to be careful that we're not legalistic, but that we are loving toward others. I realized about 10 minutes ago that I wasn't going to make it through even the second one this morning. But that's okay. The Lord knows those things. I want to give you a quote. Before I do that, I want to take you to 1 Corinthians 13. And that's where we'll end our time for this morning. 1 Corinthians 13. When you come to 1 Corinthians 13, it's in the context of spiritual gifts. And a lot of times you hear verses 4 through the first part of verse 8 read at weddings. In fact, many times you do. I guess there's nothing wrong with that in and of itself. But contextually, Paul is dealing with spiritual gifts. And he's talking about the importance of love in the midst of that ministry. Now, remember that we can just be working or we can be loving as we work in the ministry. And Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, in verse 1, he says, If I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love... I have become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. So what must be in the midst of that? Love, he says. If I have the gift of prophecy and know all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains but do not have love, it's pretty strong language. I'm nothing. So if I go into the middle of a youth group or an Awana meeting or a joy club and say, you need to do this and this and this and this, but there's no love. I'm a noisy gong. I'm a clanging cymbal. I'm nothing. One of the most incredible times I've ever had in public speaking that I remember, and I don't think I've ever told you this story. They asked me to come speak at an Awana meeting in upstate New York. And they said, Dad, we want to speak, you to speak to a few people. So I walk in to the office area at a church. I meet the, the man who was over everything. And he says, look, we've got a, a number of people out there in the gym. And, and we want you to share the gospel. So that sounds great. So I was expecting a couple, 300 people. There was 1,000 people in that gymnasium. I remember walking out in that gym going, I've never talked to this many people before in my life at one time. And I don't know if you've ever had the opportunity to public speak, but it's different. When you walk into a setting and there's 10, it's different than when you're walking in and when there's 50 or 100 or 200. And then if you get over that, you're like, ooh, there's lots of people in here. Well, 
I didn't know one person in that gymnasium. Not one. And I was nervous. I was probably 28 years old. But I remember like it was yesterday. They wanted me to stand in the middle of the gym. And I thought, well, how's that going to work? I mean, am I going to be talking like people are everywhere? I mean, well, how am I going to do that? And I remember walking out in the middle of the gym and I said, look, guys, my name's Thad Blunt. And I come from the South. And I've been here for two years. And I've been at Berean Bible Church in Green, New York. I'm here to tell every single person in this gymnasium that God loves you. And he loves you so much he sent his son Jesus Christ to die for you. Has anybody ever told you that? The measurement of love in the life of a believer is sometimes measured by what we are willing to say. Well, verse 3, he says, If I give all my possessions to feed the poor, if I surrender my body to be burned, but do not have love, it profits me nothing. There's no profit. You see the difference? Remember the first thing I said? Work, love, ministry. If it's just work, by the way, if it's just work, it'll be so laborious, you'll get tired of it, and you know what's going to happen? You're going to quit. You'll quit. If you have the mind of ministry and loving others, doesn't mean you won't be tired and go, oh, Lord, help me. But you'll stay in the race. Say, how in the world did Paul do it? That's how he did it. You say, did he get tired of people? Yes, he did. Did he have people he had to deal with? Well, yes, he did. Right after, you remember in the middle of his first missionary journey, John Mark says, see ya. Like, oh, well, Paul, he had the patience to walk with John Mark. No, he didn't. Barnabas did. Thank the Lord for Barnabas. Takes all kinds. So you have to have the mindset of love and loving others if you're going to stay the course. Well, then he says, love is patient. Hmm. By the way, when we get to an easy one, just say amen. (laughs) Love is patient. Love is kind. It's not jealous. It does not brag. It is not arrogant. It does not act unbecomingly. It does not seek its own. It is not provoked. It does not take into account a wrong suffered. It does not rejoice in unrighteousness. Rejoices with the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. You know what's so awesome about agape love? Agape love, as you're being led by the Spirit, will take you through things you never thought possible. In fact, you'll walk out of the room going, Lord, how'd that happen? I'll leave you with this quote. We have difficulty expressing God's love to our people. We need to get on our knees and ask God to help us.
And you know what he'll do? He'll help you. I had a student years and years ago in another state. So it's none of these students here that are older now with kids. And this kid, one word to describe him, unbelievable. Not necessarily in a good way. In fact, when, when Teresa's asking the Lord to help her love somebody, there's a problem. When I got to the church, he was third grade maybe. When I left the church, he was almost junior high. And I can honestly look at you and honestly say that without the help of the Lord, I wouldn't have loved that boy. I'm just being honest. Because I'll never forget one action of the young man. He went up to his Sunday school teacher and he swore at his Sunday school teacher in ungratefulness. pastor said, Dad, that's your problem. You handle it. Thank you. So I did. I brought him to my office and I said, look, you're going to have to apologize to your teacher. He said, I'm not going to do it. I said, well, then we're going to pray that you'll do it. How about that? And so we prayed that he would do it. Went for a week or two, nothing happened. One morning, on a Sunday morning, he walked in my office. He said, a pastor dad, I'm sorry. I said, well, let's go talk to the teacher. And so we did. Lots of ways to handle that boy. You know what? I didn't have the wisdom to know how. But the Lord gave me the wisdom to know how. And it all started with loving that boy. I love that boy. And I wanted that boy to know Christ and to live for Christ. That's what the Lord wants us to do. He wants us to know him and live for him and express that love to everyone that we are privileged to come in contact with as each of us in this room are in the ministry that belong to Christ. Let's pray together. Lord, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you for the principles that we have concerning love that come from your word. I pray that we would consider that we are to demonstrate love to one another. And as we do that, as we have opportunity, I pray you would encourage us even more that we might express love to those that aren't so lovely. Father, I pray that we would be committed as each one of us that knows Christ, committed to the ministry that you've given us. And I pray that we would not try to minister in our own strength, in our own power, but that we would minister through the power of the Holy Spirit, the power that lives in us. And all these things, um, I make my prayer in the name of Christ. Amen. Guys, as we... um...
As we close the service, I was thinking, you know, <laughs> if anybody in here has been a believer for any length of time, they can testify to the fact that as we are growing, as we're doing what Thad was talking about, we're basically being sanctified, made more in the image of Christ, expressing that love. There are going to be plenty of times where we don't get it right, plenty of times where we don't show the love we should. And that's the message of this song is I want you all to take it to heart because it's about all the second chances we have at the cross. So whether you get it right and, you know, you love that person through the power of the Holy Spirit the way you should, go back to the cross. And the times you get it wrong and you don't love, you mess it up, go back to the cross because grace is there and second chances are always there. So y'all listen to the words of this. Changes everything. There, my world begins again with you. Oh, your cross is where my hope restarts. A second chance is heaven's heart. My future hangs on this. You make preciousness from dust. Please don't stop creating me. Your blood offers the chance to rewind to innocence. Reborn, perfect as a child. Oh, your cross Changes everything. There my world begins again with you. Oh, your cross is where my hope restarts. Second chance is heaven's heart. When sin and ugliness collide with redemption's kiss beauty awakens by romance always inside this mess I have found forgiveness mercy as infinite as you all your crosses Changes everything. There, my world begins again with you. Oh, your cross is where my hope restarts. A second chance is heaven's heart. Countless second chances. Salvaged by the art of grace, you cry life from my mistakes. 
Black skies and my regrets Outshone by this kindness New light dawns over my soul Oh, your crossing changes everything There my world begins again with you A second chance is heaven's heart. Countless second chances we've been given at the cross. Countless second chances. thankful for grace. I um, wanted to just uh, remind you of a couple of things coming up. We will have a visitor's luncheon on October the 1st. There are five Sundays in October, in case you did not know that. Um, so the first Sunday in October, we'll have a visitor's luncheon. If you're visiting with us and you'd like to know more information about grace, we'd love to have you. And there's a sign-up sheet out in the foyer. Also, October the 8th, we will have a church-wide fellowship after the service. And so I encourage you uh, to be a part of that. There are sign-ups out there in the foyer uh, for that as well. All right? Why don't we uh, stand and we'll close in a word of prayer and you can be dismissed. Lord, we do thank you for grace and we thank you for salvation by grace and the life that we live by grace. I pray that we would never use grace as an excuse for behavior but that we would, um, each one of us, uh, as we are thankful for grace, um, submit our lives to you so that uh, out of our lives uh, will flow the fruit of the Spirit as we come into contact with people that you place in our lives. Uh, we thank you again for uh, each one that was baptized this morning. We pray for their life, live for you. We pray that we might encourage them along the way. And all these things we pray in your name. Amen. You're dismissed.